This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. Coach's Wife Life is brought to you by Ruler of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit with the mission of providing support and research for medically fragile children. You can partner with the organization to make a difference for a child battling a critical illness by making a tax-deductible donation at rulerofhope.org. I'm so excited to have Britt Roper today. Britt is the wife of Kurt Roper, quarterback's coach at NC State. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Well, you're a coach's wife now, but you have a very unique perspective of this business. As you spent your career as a sports anchor and reporter, I've been fired up to talk to you about all this. So you started in North Carolina, is that right? So walk me through, take me from your first stop, how you got in and these moments of being on the other side of this profession. Well, I guess it's like any profession. You kind of have to, you know, work your way up. My first job was actually in North Carolina when I got out of college. I was the overnight, I had the overnight shift. I would go in and edit for the morning news. So I worked like 12 to 9. Yes. But yes. then I made, I would stay and I would make tapes and I would go out to, I just knew I wanted to do sports. I wasn't interested in news, but that was my way to get in the door. And then I would just stay and work with the sports guys and go shoot video and do anything I could for them. They always need help on like high school football on Friday nights and stuff like that. So I would just do what I could, made my resume taping. I got my first on-air job in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, I went there and worked there for a couple years and then the sports director there kind of pushed me out the door his time it's time for you to go go somewhere else you know and take that next step and I went to Columbia South Carolina and that was my I got a weekend anchor job there and I was a sports anchor for the ABC affiliate in Columbia South Carolina I did that for a year or two and then I moved on to Memphis and worked there for a couple of years and then I got married and got out of the business. I'm so we had that discussion. Yes, we did. It's so hard. Now Memphis was my dream market. So I am incredible in awe of you right now. Because Memphis is like roughly top fifty. And when you hit that level of a market, it's a whole nother level for people who aren't in media. It's a big, big deal to be in that level market and to work in sports as a female. When did you know that you wanted to be a sports anchor? I guess when I was in college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I got in college. I had played sports through high school, played, you know, volleyball, basketball, and softball all through high school. And then I wasn't good enough to play in college, but then I get to college and I really miss that aspect of my life. I miss being part of a team. I miss being around the sports. I missed it a lot. So I was like, how can I still be around sports? So I became the announcer for our volleyball team at my college and our softball team, like the stadium announcer. Wow. And so I did that. And I also interned um, at the sports radio station in town and interviewing like high school coaches, high school players, and some of the university sports and stuff. And I like that. Okay. But I thought I want to do my next internship at a TV station to see how I like that. And I really love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just did it. Anytime I had free time, I was at the TV station. I was going to minor league baseball games. I went to the college basketball games. I went to college here in North Carolina and I 
got to cover a lot of the like Duke, North Carolina games, you know, I'm sitting there on press row at Cameron indoor, you know, and just got to do some really fun stuff. And, um, we would even go, we'd drive and go to the Panthers training camps and go to the Carolina Panther games and stuff. And I just fell in love with it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And my professors in college, I ended up being a journalism major and, um, a broadcast journalism major. They really, worked with me and allowed, I said, look, I don't only want to do broadcast journalism as if I can do sports. I, I knew I didn't want to do news. I wanted to be around sports. That's the whole reason I was doing it. And they were like, okay, you can do all your assignments can be sports related mm-hmm. and stuff. So they really helped, helped me a lot and just let me, let me do it. No one ever told me it was crazy. Even though I would be the only, even as an intern, I was the only female around. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And nobody, nobody shuddered. It was great. You were a trailblazer. Do what I wanted to do. You were a trailblazer. I, well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I was the first female, and uh, and that helped me, you know, because it wasn't it wasn't like it is now, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I probably was able to get some of the jobs I got because I was a woman, and that's okay, you know. And um, it just worked out that way. Timing and Every profession is everything, I think. That's a lot anyway. You gotta be know what you're doing, but timing and knowing people that will are willing to help you goes a long way. And I think that you said something because you're being very modest, but the other side of it, which is maybe you're able to get in the door a little bit, but the other you don't keep your job right. unless you're talented, unless you work hard, unless you prove yourself. I mean, maybe it helped for a second but you're not going to make it past 30 days if you're not pulling your weight. I mean, it's, it's a fair statement, right? Right. Sure. I mean, and I was never really worried about that because I knew I knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then I did, I will say this, one of the things, and I'm sure you can hear my accent coming through now, when I got my first on-air job and I was in Tennessee and our sports director was like, okay, do you mind if I bring in someone to like just a little bit voice coach you or whatever? Yeah. And I was like, why do I need a voice coach? And she was like, well, you got a little bit of an accent. I'm like, really? Everybody's (laughs) like, yeah, you do. (laughs) So I learned how to turn that on and off a little bit. But um, other than that, I never, you know, worried about it. As long as you know what you're doing and you're a hard worker, people are going to respect you, I feel like, you know. And the biggest thing was just the day-to-day pressure of a, television station you know trying to get everything done before your six o'clock deadline or your 11 o'clock deadline or whatever that was probably the biggest adjustment and the biggest nerve-wracking thing I would think for me anyway oh yeah can you describe for other people who might never sit in that anchor chair what it's like when you hear 30 seconds 10 seconds do you remember those you thoughts? You have to take like, a deep breath and you hope that tape is back there yes, yes. <laughs> and that is that they have the right one and that it's going to roll and that the prompter's going to work. I know. <laughs> and that you're just not going to trip over your own tongue. Yes. Yes. It's it happened a lot. Oh, that for sure. Over me. here too. <laughs> yeah. When the ink, I've had it where the uh, prompter went completely black and you're like, no, no, not on the first one. I don't even know what my open was. <laughs> I know because, you know, you might not have time to even grab all your sheets and everything. I mean, and you're really, you really rely on that a lot. And so 
I don't know. It just, it all works out. It was so much fun. I did enjoy it. I was appreciative. I was fortunate, like you said, to work in the places I did. And it was so exciting the time I was in Memphis because I did love college football and we got to cover so many teams. Being in Memphis, I don't know if people realize you're really close. You know, you have the University of Memphis there. A lot of people are big fans. The other big team in your state, the University of Tennessee. So you will cover them a lot. Ole Miss is an hour away. You're covering the University of Mississippi. You're covering the University of Arkansas. You're covering Mississippi State. So you're right there covering so much college football. And then um, we had the Tennessee Titans. Then in Memphis got the Grizzlies while I was there. Wow. So that was so exciting to get to cover that whole as it kind of started and, you know, blossomed and everything. So it was a fun time to be there. So much work goes into getting those jobs, maintaining those jobs. Your day-to-day doesn't look like a normal job because, I mean, I've worked normal jobs before. It's it's brutal. It's it's fun. It's amazing, exhilarating, but it's also hard. Was it hard to walk away from that? thought about it long and hard, and um, I had met Kurt at the University of Tennessee, so we had dated for a while, and it was just kind of that point in our relationship and that point in my career. It's like, okay, it's going to have to be one or the other, most likely here, you know, Mm -hmm. and are we going to move on and get married? We weren't getting any younger. We knew we wanted to have a family, and are we going to take that road, or am I going to try to pursue this career thing and then it's hard to be to I couldn't I knew I couldn't work and do that job and be a it's a conflict of interest right Mm -hmm. you can't be covering your husband's team and try to be it's just it just wasn't you know wasn't going to (laughs) work and then b we knew we wanted to have a family and all that like you said the hours are just crazy with their hours that the coaches work late nights and everything and then that's when all the sports are happening too or nights and weekends and mm-hmm. all that so we knew we wanted to have a family and and I wouldn't change a thing do you enjoy watching college game day now sports center are you a sports junkie still you know what it has changed a little bit from the time I was in college I remember every morning waking up turning on the ESPN and back then they didn't have all these talk shows on the ESPN it was literally a sports center on the loop Mm-hmm. And I would watch it like three times a day, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know why, maybe I would miss something or whatever, but I would just watch. And I remember like probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or something thinking, golly, I'm not watching sports center all day. Like I don't, that's mm-hmm. not the first thing I do when I get up in the morning, you know? Right. And I remember when everything just kind of shifted, but I do um, definitely still keep up. I do love watching college game day. If we don't have a le- an early game and I get to, watch it now with the kids and their sports and all their activities it's it's hard to get to sit down and just watch like I used to but um I definitely keep up and I do still enjoy it and it's fun and it's fun to see all the women involved now Mm -hmm. you know it is um and they're doing such a good job they really are I mean they really are they bring so much a different perspective I just love watching it okay so you alluded to it at the University of Tennessee but I want to know details how did you meet Kurt Roper so I was working at the ABC affiliate in Knoxville, and I'll tell you exactly the day we met, Jamal Lewis was our running back. This was the year that Tennessee ended up winning the national championship, and being a sports reporter, you go into work usually like around one or something, so I have my mornings free. I'm at the gym getting a workout or something, and I get a call. It's like, you got to come in. Jamal Lewis got hurt at practice. And um, so I literally just like ran over to the practice field and like met a camera guy and 
he had like a shirt for me and a microphone and all that. And I'm just, well, I'll just standing over there waiting to interview Coach Fulmer to see what happened to Jamal Lewis. And he came up and started talking to me. And that was the beginning, I guess. That was how we met. He was a graduate assistant coach at the time. I don't know if I mentioned that. He was a graduate assistant coach there. And I think that was his third year as a graduate assistant. And back then, the staffs were totally different. So you had a graduate assistant for offense and a graduate assistant for defense. And you could only be a graduate assistant for three years, and then you had to move on. So this, mm-hmm. this was his last year as a graduate assistant. And that season, Tennessee went on undefeated, won the national championship. And David Cutcliffe, our, the offensive coordinator for Tennessee that year, got the head coaching job at the University of Mississippi, and he took Kurt with him. So then Kurt went to Ole Miss and became his quarterback's coach. And I actually left Knoxville right after they left and went to Columbia, South Carolina to be the weekend anchor at a station there. So we did the long distance thing. We had just started dating and then we did the long distance thing for a year. And then I moved to Memphis and then we were a lot closer, you know, just an hour apart. So that's when we even got more serious, I guess, and got married a couple of years after that. So you dated for a while. And now we have two kids. Yeah. You dated a little while before you got married. We, yes, we dated a good three. I think we dated three years before we got engaged. And then three and a half, we were engaged for like six months. So three and a half years before we actually got married. I think he, he proposed to me like right at the beginning when the camp was getting ready to start, like fall camp. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was at Ole Miss, I guess that was 2001. And thinking, okay, I'll propose. She'll say yes. So that gives me a year because we really, really in this profession, you know, you don't have time to get married. You have to wait for like the summer, right? Right, right. <laughs> the spring break or the summer. Well, I was like, hmm, I think you're going to have a long weekend in February, like right after signing day. So I, I picked that date. That's awesome. <laughs> so it ended up not being as long an engagement as he thought he was going to get. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized you said right before fall camp in 2001, that's also when I got engaged uh, and right before fall camp in 2001. That is so cool. That's awesome. I know. Cool. <laughs> so this is probably what year 17 for you being married, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, very cool. It is. How long were you engaged? Uh, from August 10th of 2001 till May. Um, my fourth. I almost okay. my own anniversary. <laughs> but uh, that is really neat. Uh, now you have that how many is. children do you have? So we have two. I have my daughter, Reese, is 11, and I have a son, Luke, who's seven. Wow. Very neat. And they enjoy sports. It, I guess both of you being in those backgrounds, do they enjoy going to games and things? They really do. I mean, it's in their blood now. My daughter is like really into it now as far as she wants to sit and watch the games. My son's still a little you know, like Auntie, he'll like to get up and run around, but my daughter doesn't, you know, she wants to watch every play, and it's funny, I've tried to hopefully, like, calm her, like, I can feel her getting more tense the older she gets, you know, and, like, worrying more about it, so now I'm like, okay, I don't want to ruin her, I'm trying to, like, it's okay, it's just a game, like, you know, let's enjoy this, and don't worry too much about each play. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, for sure. Do you think she'll go into sports broadcasting? Do you think she's interested? You know, one time she did mention that, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I, she does love sports. I think she will want to do something around sports. I do. I just don't know what yet. She's still pretty young, so she's got plenty of time to figure that all out. But 
it'll be interesting to see. It's so fun to watch them grow up and see how their interests develop. And used to when she was younger and when I first told her what I wanted to do, she was like, absolutely no way, mm-hmm. you know. Right. But now I think she sees that, like I did, as a way to stay around sports. Mm-hmm. But she may find some other way to do it that she is more interested in, you know, rather than just being a reporter or um, something in television or radio. She may find another way that she can be around sports that she likes better. But I definitely think she'll want to she already says she wants to go to college on a on an athletic scholarship and she wants to go when I ask her where she wants to go she goes wherever my dad's coaching that's where I want to go I love it I love it and I'm like well what sport do you want to play I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but I want this life (laughs) yeah now I looked up coach Roper's coaching journey I have to say I was pretty impressed now correct me if I'm wrong but I think he's always been at a power five school. Is that right? Yes. What do you think yes. makes Kurt um, Roper special? Like I said, with me, you know, I mean, so much of it is timing and people that, you know, you know, I mean, like, so he was at Tennessee as a graduate assistant. Then coach Cutcliffe got the job at Ole Miss and took him with him. And then when we left Ole Miss, he got a job at Kentucky. We were there for a year. Then coach Cutcliffe got hired at Tennessee. We went back to Tennessee. Um, and then we went to Duke from there with Coach Cutcliffe, and then we left Duke and went to, after the 2013 season, went to Florida for a year. I will say, we took one year after Florida, we went to the NFL for one year. So we were away from college football in the NFL for one year, and then we went to South Carolina, then Colorado, and now NC State. Wow. It's been a whirlwind it here lately. a lot of moving. <laughs> A lot of moving here lately. We were at Duke six years, and we're like, oh, okay, you know, you, we were at two places six years, which is a good amount of time in this business. Yes. But here lately, um, it's been my daughter went to five different elementary schools, mm. I think. So mm. we're ready for a little stability, if that's yes. possible, in this business. We'd like to be in one place um, for a little while, just to give her some continuity, you know, and maybe she can get through middle school at least. Definitely. Now I'm going to ask you what I call the groupie questions, which is um, a lot of listeners. I have coaches, wives that listen, obviously a majority, but there's definitely some fans that listen. So these are questions fans like me to ask. All right. So how okay. many ticket requests do you get on a weekly basis? Uh, it just depends. It can, it's usually not too bad. Depends on here. When I live in North Carolina, it's a lot more because I have so much family here. And but then now we know people all across the country from our different stops. So it's so fun. Like Mm -hmm. we have people from South Carolina that we're still friends with that'll come that came and saw us in Colorado and came. They're like, oh, we've never been to a game in Colorado. We want to come now, you know, Mm -hmm. get us some tickets. And, you know, and same thing. And so that's fun. So you get to keep in touch. And, uh, you know, our friends obviously love watching football. So it's fun to keep in keep close and do it at a football game. What's a home game look like for you though? Are you a big tailgater? Do you like it? Do you get nervous where you just want to skip all that and go right into the stadium? It's changing now that my kids are getting older and they have like some sports on Saturdays and it just depends on like, you know, where we're at in the past. I always have tailgated and really enjoyed it. You know, usually there's a group of wives that will just kind of tailgate together. I'm usually with wives um, or family and they just all kind of, Come, the family would just join in, you know, with the other wives and stuff. And we just all do a big tailgate. But this year, I think it will be different because I do have my son's playing baseball. And so there are going to be a few games where I'm going to get too late that I'm not going to be able to tailgate as much. But I do enjoy that aspect of it. I think that's so 
fun. It's a great part of college football. It's it's just been part of our life. I mean, my son loves the tailgate just as much as the game because he gets to play football, you know, in the parking mm-hmm. lot and yeah. <laughs> or whatever with his buddies. Yeah. Do you so, cook your tailgate foods when you get to go? Do you enjoy one specific thing or? Oh, yes. I definitely love to cook. I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, I only do the basics. I do a lot of chips and dip and we'll do a lot of uh, chicken and stuff like that. We don't have, I don't have anything that's special. Um, I do every once in a while we'll make a banana pudding Mm -hmm. and I make a lot of banana pudding during football season because every Wednesday night I make that for my husband's players. They always have like a nightly meeting on Wednesday night and that's kind of the thing I send in. Um, or at least I start the year sending them banana pudding, and then if we lose a game, I might change it up and like send them cookies or a pound cake for a week. <laughs> Try and change the juju, you know. Yes. But do you get to go? To yeah, the that's just kind of my thing. You know what? We've been very, very fortunate. The places we've been, we have been allowed to go to the away games, and so I go to a lot of them. I do when I can. So we, we will go to Boston College this year. I'm excited. I'm going to go to that game. And we'll go to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. We get to travel with the team here at NC State. And it was also that way um, at Duke and Florida and South Carolina. And I know it's not that way everywhere. A lot of teams will just do like one big live strip. But um, I'm excited to go to some of those places that I don't get to go to that often. It seems like with your outgoing personality and being on the other side of things, you would enjoy the recruiting aspect, which is another huge part of our jobs as college coaches' wife. Do you love that part of it? Do you stress out till they get signed? I don't know if I stress so much anymore. I really used to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's changed so much over the last few years. Now, so many kids are committing earlier. So it kind of can take, and obviously it's never done deal. Until it's they sign on the dotted line so you would still sweat it out till February but now with the new earlier signing day I feel like that's helped mm-hmm. with um, some of the stress and it's just changed a lot um, I feel like you kind of get to know these kids before they're ever on campus and it's great you get to know their families I mean that's kind of really where you get to know them is recruiting because you're spending time with them when they come on campus you're spending time with their families you're spending time you know, just talking and sitting around a table. And it's nice to get to know the kids. And it's important to get to know them. But their parents want to see who they're going to be hanging, who they're going to be around, who's going to be help looking after their kids. And their parents want to know that. Mm -hmm. And so I enjoy it from that sense, because um, it's fun to get to know them and spend that time with them. And then when they do, they get there on campus, you know, you already have that familiarity, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's like, come over for dinner. And you know, it just makes it easier on them, I feel like, especially the ones that are coming from so far away. I hear you're making banana pudding for them on Wednesday nights. I mean, you guys have them over to eat other times of the year? So every once in a while, we'll have them over to the house for dinner. We'll take them out to eat just to kind of get away from, do something away from football, you know, mm-hmm. and relax and let them be around the family, let my kids be around them. So my son loves being a part. This profession is tough, you know, in certain aspects between the moving or, you know, being let go of different, you know, from different jobs. What do you think's the toughest adversity you both have faced? And what did you rely on to get through those moments? I feel like I've always just taken the attitude that it's going to all work out the way it's supposed to work out. You know, I'm a firm believer in that we're going to be where we're supposed to be. And you just kind of have to realize that there's a plan and it'll all work out. Um, 
when we got fired at South Carolina, that was tough, but it, it all worked out and we got to go to Colorado and we were there for a year. And I can't imagine now our life without those relationships that, and I mean, those kids that we got to know there, I mean, they're some of the most special ones that we've ever mm. been around. And um, some of those people there on that staff, you know, that I still am in touch with and still, so I'm just thankful for every opportunity and I just know it always works out. So now I'll ask this every single week, this next question. And I say the same thing every week because it's really hard to answer, but I think that women are coming to this podcast to be encouraged, to learn some tips and tricks, to just, you know, um, just learn something, not just, Hey, this is a cool story, but like, you know, things that you're doing, I would love to implement. And so you've been the backbone of a very successful coach. Do you think there's some things that you've done or at least tried to do that has contributed to the success of his career and your lives as a family? Yeah, I just try and take care of the other stuff. You know, all the, there's so much, everyone has families and they know how much goes on involved. So I really just try and keep all that in order. <laughs> and so that when he does come home or when he has free time, we can just hang out together, you know, and have everything else taken care of. And I guess. And that really is a full-time job. It is. Because you're doing the work of two people, really. <laughs> I know. I'm like, every time I think, okay, well, um, I should get another job. And now that both of my kids are in school, but I just don't know when I would do that. So we'll just continue trying to volunteer and do the other stuff that, that's more, you're able to do it when you have the time, you know, not something that I have to be a hundred percent committed to every day, you know, for, from eight to five or something like that. It just, it just isn't possible. What do you think's the toughest part about being a coach's wife? I don't know if it's tough. I mean, I've enjoyed it all. I, there, everyone has a lot of opinions mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes they just give them to you, whether you want them or not. And you mm -hmm. hear, I mean, it's, my husband does a great job of like, I mean, I know some of those coaches, people don't believe when they say they don't hear the outside stuff. They don't read the paper. They don't listen to the radio. And I mean, he really doesn't like he would have no clue, you know, what people say. And I try to do that, but because I was, it was so much of my life for so yes. many years. Like yes. I, I can't, I'm I can't into what everyone is saying. I try not to, but I'm like, uh, um, so that's hard. Um, because hard. people never know everything, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't know all the obstacles and stuff. And, you know, so you just have to keep your mouth closed and just know, like I said before, it's going to all work out. That's the only really hard part I would say is, and that, and then lately here, the moving mm -hmm. a lot, you know, oh, it, yeah. after a while that kind of gets <laughs> mm -hmm. old. I mean, helping your children through changing five elementary schools. Would you say five elementary schools? Yeah, she went to five elementary schools. Five Bless elementary her schools. heart. So she these was are a five new schools. The transition, the where am I going to sit? Am I going to be alone at lunch? Walking your children through those moments is really nothing to wash over. That's hard. I know. I know. It's hard. And I told my husband when we left um, North Carolina the first time, because we had been here for a, a long time, my daughter was starting kindergarten. And those are hard decisions when you decide to take another job or when you decide to leave. Um, and I told him, because I, I remember him saying, okay, 
we have something here that's pretty stable and we're, you know, we can stay here and probably be here for a while. But if we leave, we could be getting on a carousel, you know, mm -hmm. and my thought was to him, I was like, well, if we're ever going to do it, now's the time because we have a two-year-old and a five-year-old mm -hmm. and moving is a lot easier at that age than it is when they're in middle school. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to move and we're going to be on a carousel, it needs to be now because there's going to be a point where I'm not going to do that to them. Mm -hmm. and so we made that decision and and it was it was a carousel I hadn't stopped spinning <laughs> no no it hasn't no. <laughs> hopefully it has right. now hopefully it has <laughs> yes. are there some things that you try to remind coach Roper of during the highs and lows of coaching college football I mean I think you have such a unique perspective because you were on the other side of that, asking those questions to coaches for interviews and knowing what media does um, to storylines and um, sometimes good, sometimes bad. I mean, and I know he doesn't see it every single day, but I know that you have that perspective. Are there things that you just say to encourage him? I can see both sides of the story, like you're saying. I can see the media's perspective and I can see the coach's perspective. So I just try and remind him that sometimes, okay, they didn't that wasn't the intent behind that question. Do you, you know, do you realize they have that? I have to ask that question. And sometimes it's not with him necessarily. Like we could be watching a game on TV and a sideline reporter at halftime ask a coach a question. He's like, what is, you know, what did they mean by that? And so um, I kind of try to ride both sides of the line, you know, mm -hmm. and explain to him like, this is why they have to ask that question. Do you not understand? And sometimes he's stubborn and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't doesn't agree with me and so we might you know spat for a little bit but then we just move on <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, okay. and he learned a long time ago okay I'm not going to ask her what she thought about this play call or that play call because at first when we first got married I would be like so what were you thinking on this play you mm -hmm. know like, and I would try to bring it up in a nice way and then now he's just like, let's just not even talk about the game mm -hmm. so much. Unless it was a good game. If it was a good game, he'll ask me. He'll be like, hey, what did you think about that? Or what did right. you think about this? You know, because he knows it was a good, it's going to be a good answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because of my background, there's a lot of wives interview. Some say, yes, I love it. And there's some wives that go, I have no idea. I, I stay far from it. And I don't know anything about it. I can't because I yeah. was the one that was asking coaches questions and all that. Do you feel the same way? We are like, Oh, I just really want to know why we did that. <laughs> Do you feel yeah, that way? I'm like that a lot. And sometimes and it's, and it's usually a good know. answer. It's the crazy there thing. Is. I mean, usually like yeah, that's the, that the people just have no idea, you know, and you ask cause you're like wondering and then they give you like the perfect answer and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, Everybody else needs to know that. I know, <laughs> but I wish we could say that, but you can't. Or something right. like, oh, he was kind of like, he came off and we were a little bit nervous about his elbow. So we, we had to put this guy in real quick, but he's fine. And he got to go in later, but like just little things like that were like, we were nervous about it. And well, why didn't they have him in the game on that play? Mm -hmm. I know. Like, <laughs> why would you put your best player in the field at all times? Well, he was a little <laughs> mixed up right there or, you know, right. There, yeah, there was a little bit of confusion over there. We ran the play over there. That's why we ran the play over there. I mean, it just, it always makes sense when you get to hear the answer. But, not able to but everybody doesn't get detail. the answer. So right. you're yeah. just up for critique all the time. Yeah. So, and that's a hard, that's hard, but luckily they don't have to always hear the critiques because they are kind of holed up in their offices, you know, thinking about the next, they have to move on to the next or we have all week to think about you know, what just happened and dissected and worry about it and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, they're literally on the next game. Truly are. Do you guys yeah. have traditions uh, after a win? Do you do something fun or you come back home? What's your ritual? Yeah, we like to come back home and relax. You know, we have so many other friends that are coaching. We like to try and get home and see their games that they're playing or, um, you know, just follow up with what they're doing or spend some family time together. We love to have an early game so we can do that type of thing. And so we're not coming home really late, you know, and having to go straight to bed. That's fun. And then usually he always has his one little bit of time during the day. Usually it's like on Fridays, everywhere we've been, he's had like a little break for lunch. And then I always try and the kids will be at school. So that tries, we try to make that like our little time together. So we try to grab lunch on Friday, even if it's only for like 30 minutes and I have to bring something to the office. Mm-hmm. We try to, um, squeeze that in just for like me and him to have some time to I don't know talk about what broke up the house this week or yeah. whatever he might be like one time I showed up and brought lunch to him and he was like oh I gotta show you this 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 player this high school kid mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. and he would just yeah. watch tape of a prospect you know that he wants to recruit or something like that and so that's not near, you know, nearly as exciting as I'm sure, like, most people would think of a, a good lunch date, but that's what it is sometimes. Yeah, we watch high school film of somebody wanting to play. No, but I think it's neat when they're excited about somebody and they want to share what they do during the day, you know, when they can. Right. I love it. I think we did a date, like, for two years at lunch when we were at Austin P and it really helps. Like, I don't know. It's just like, even if it's a small amount of 20 minutes a week, if you can just grab that to me, it's just, I don't know. It's a little boost. It's great. And you don't feel guilty because the kids are at school. So there's so many times, like if he does um, come home, like after a game or whatever, you don't want to take that time away from the kids. You want them Mm -hmm. to have their time with their dad. So Mm -hmm. you can get lost in having your own one-on-one time with each other. And so that time slot, like Friday for lunch is just, always been perfect for us during the season and it's just the Fridays before home games because away games they're traveling but usually we have six or seven home games a year so we get those and that's that's great I love it you've been on some very neat staffs you just named them off the coach Cutcliffe at Duke uh McIntyre coach McIntyre's staff at Colorado you named other yeah um you had some really neat wives you've been a part of at different staffs that I've actually getting to meet through all your friends uh, that I've been interviewing. Yeah. Love it. Love Mikael Elliott here at Kansas. Um, are there some things that you enjoy doing with the fellow coaches' wives at some of these staffs you've been a part of? I have so many good friends and coaches. It's so crazy. How, I mean, it really is a family. I've known Karen Cutcliffe since, I don't know, what was that, two, 1999, 2000, whenever they went to Ole Miss. I mean, you know, they were there at our wedding. Ashley Luke and Matt Luke are at Ole Miss now. That was where we met, um, was at Ole Miss when we were coaching there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was in her wedding. Um, the McIntyres, we were together at Ole Miss, and we were together here again at Duke. Then we were together at Colorado. So it's funny when you see things come full circle and you know you stay in touch and then it's nothing like it's just so comforting when you can get back together again with all these people that you know and um then some staff you go to went to Kentucky I didn't know anybody but then you develop great friendships there for ladies I still keep in touch with and now here at NC State I didn't know anybody and just a great you know so each year you just keep adding to that family and that's awesome and then my brother is brother-in-law Kurt's brother is coach I don't know if uh, you knew that he is a coach at Duke 
still. Oh. So they were together at Duke for a long time. They're still there. So now we're back. We live right down the street from them. Oh, and wow. um, so my sister-in-law <clears throat> is in the, you know, same, in the same boat as me. And uh, we were together on that one staff. That was the only time we've been together, but but it is. It's a great big family, and it's fun. Just you keep adding to it. That is the one good part about moving is you keep adding to that family. But I've got a pretty big family now, so yes, you do. <laughs> I don't need to add to it anymore. Right, now. <laughs> right, right. We'll just stay right there. Um, coaching with your brother-in-law, and then fast forward to now, they have cousins that live this exact yes. life. That's got to be helpful. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. It is, and it's great. I mean. It's good, and they're around the same age, so it's very helpful, and just to kind of live the whole life, and um, their grandfather, so Kurt's, Kurt, and then his brother, name, his name is Zach, their dad was also a coach for a lot of years in college, um, so it's kind of the only thing our kids really know as far as, like, profession or whatever, but they've been around it forever, and that's all their dads know that's all their grandfather knows. So there's a lot of football talk and a lot of watching football and stuff when they're all together, as you can imagine. Well, were there some things that when you and Kurt talked about having children or raising children in this business, were some things that they, you tried to focus on just having that experience of him growing up in this profession? When we decided we wanted to have, start having children, it was a long process. We ended up having to do IVF. So, so much of our focus was on just having the kids to begin with. Um, we did seven rounds of IVF before we had our daughter. Wow. And we'd almost given up and we're thinking, had, had started thinking about adoption and stuff like that. And we got pregnant with her. And she was born right before we came to Duke. So she was born in Tennessee. And um, then we came to Duke. And then we had our son. Um, also through IVF while we were here at Duke, while we were here in North Carolina when he was coaching at Duke, and um, and then so so a lot of years were went into planning that and just all the trials and tribulations. And I bring that up because I know a lot of coaches' wives. The more that you talk about it, yeah. are actually going through the same thing or yeah. have gone through the same thing, and um, so that consumed a lot, you know, of time there and in the, in that time of our life, just, um, worrying about that and trying to do that. And then now it's so crazy. I keep, I always tell these women that I know who are going through it now, I was like, in a few years from now, it's going to, it consumes so much of your life now, but a few years from now, it's going to be crazy how much you don't even think about these days Mm -hmm. that are so hard right now, because you're going to be focusing on the kids that you have Mm -hmm. and how to raise them right and how to, do this and do that and, you know, make them grow, help them grow up to be wonderful people. And, um, and it's true. Like, I I don't think about those days that much anymore. And all I focus now is on, you know, what, what we're doing to help them. And we, yeah, we talk about that all the time. That's a lot of our conversations on those Fridays is like, are we doing the right thing? Are we getting um, our son what he needs? And are we getting our daughter what she needs to be a successful student or what help her? you know, do the kind of things that she wants to do. And so, yes, it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And it seems like y'all are doing it, making a conscious effort on staying the same page and staying connected with each other and reminding yourselves of what this is all about, which is, you know, impacting young men positively. Um, And now you talked about doing 
you know, making sure your kids are involved in that process and having them over to eat or, or taking them food or some things. Are there anything else that you try to do to, to connect with the players that Coach Roper coaches? Just try to make sure they're happy and they have what they need. You know, I mean, especially the ones who are away from their families, you know, it's so, I know how hard that is. And, um, and so it's good to like, I like to stay in touch with the moms and make sure they're doing okay. You know, I'll check in with them. And that's where you get those relationships that you were talking about earlier through recruiting, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll be like, Hey, are you doing okay? Yeah. I saw your son today. He's doing great. And, you know, and that type of thing. And, um, just trying to make sure. They, they have the food they want, mm-hmm, right? <laughs> and then they have that, let them know that they have that support. And they, these universities now have such a big support system to give them all everything they need academically and athletically and all that. But sometimes you just need, you know, someone to be like, Hey, are you okay? Is there anything mm-hmm. else you need? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it doesn't have to do with football or school or anything like that. So and well, I love mothers. watching these kids grow up. They come back and like, come to some of our games you know after they're long gone and it's just so awesome now seeing like the men they become and the dads they become and the husbands they become and it's so awesome and some of them are getting into coaching and you know it's fun to see it is full circle those relationships being built I mean especially you mentioned it the mothers of the players and I didn't really really think about it until I had my own children and then you think wow in a few years that's going to be me and, you know, I think young men probably don't text their mamas as much as the daughters do. So I'm sitting there like, oh, my goodness, I'll be wanting any bit of information from my coach's wife one day. What are they wearing? What are they all right? Are they doing good? But that's it. You build relationships with those those moms of the players. That's, that's I know they Just to make them feel comfortable because I know, yeah, what they the worries that they have, you know, and that they know, that, hey, they, there's somebody else here near their son that they can talk to, you know, and make sure everything is going good. You bring a lot of experience from the media side. um, And then a lot of experience from the coaches' wives. Have you been in this profession for quite a while? What ways do you think, maybe for the new wives out there that are listening to this podcast, I get a lot of messages from one, two, three years in these wives going, thank you. Wow. Like this is a manual for how I should live my life. But if you had any advice to give, I know it's hard to hand out advice, but what ways do you think a wife can add value to her husband's career? You know, I struggle with this um, myself, but um, I'm always thinking, okay, am I handling this the right way when he comes home? Like, am I saying the most supportive thing and um, all that? And so I just think, you know, you can't get too high. If you can stay as even keel as possible and always be that way that's the best you know Mm -hmm. because there are going to be highs and there are going to be lows and if you can just kind of stay in the middle no matter what then that's the best (laughs) the best way to be be supportive through the lows be there to cheer them on through the highs but know that it's you know it's going to change and that you just got to always stay the same I agree what do you think is the most rewarding part about being a coach's wife? Just being around these these young men, you know, and seeing them grow up, and and you see them like not only grow physically, you see them grow in so many ways. You remember how formative those college years are, and that's so like watching them become these young men and like mature and just 
see the men that they become by the time they leave school. And then I'm so glad that we get to stay in touch with them afterwards. And, you know, when they come back and visit us and all that, it's just so you think, okay, you know, my husband had a small part in helping him become this great young man that he is now. And that's the most rewarding part for sure. You've had some special moments you've seen on the field. If you could think back over his career that you've experienced with bowl games or maybe even your media side of things, what it, what's your all-time favorite coach's wife memory? On a media side, it would have been before we got married, definitely the national championship, the Tennessee-Florida State game and the Fiesta Bowl um, in 98. That was, that was special. But from a coach's wife standpoint, I would probably say we beat, I can't remember what year this was, we were at Duke. If it was our fifth year there, I think it was our fifth season, um, we beat North Carolina at home for our sixth win Mm. to get bowl eligible. And that was such a huge step. I mean, it had been years since Duke had went to a bowl game and, you know, it had been a slow building process. And then that game, I just think it was like, okay, finally it all paid off, you know, for that whole staff, all those players. I mean, I couldn't be more excited for a program at that point than that day. That was probably one of the most exciting um, single games. When you just look back at a single game, um, that was pretty special. Okay. Rapid fire questions. You ready? Oh, goodness. Okay. These are hard. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) What's the last book you've read? Uh, Well, actually, right now, I'm not finished, but I'm reading Molly's Game. Do you like it? I do. I don't know if you know. I don't know. So the book is about Molly Bloom. Um, Her brother, a lot of people might know. I don't know. Maybe I'm aging myself. When I was a sports reporter, her brother was playing college football for Colorado. His name is Jeremy Bloom. He was also an Olympic snow skier I don't know if you've heard of him but um and then I think he even played for a little while in the NFL um had a cup of coffee in the NFL but he was an amazing athlete and this is his sister's story and it was a movie I actually saw the movie first and now I'm reading the book and it's pretty fascinating (laughs) very cool coach she has a very interesting story and Molly's game the game that it's referring to is actually poker so oh, but should, if you don't have time to read the book, you should check out the movie. It's pretty interesting. Okay. Coach surprises you walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? Right now it would be definitely Luke Combs. Oh my goodness. I'm constantly trying to figure out how I can go see this guy in concert. Yes. I know. I love <laughs> okay. Everyone has a few things that might need replacing around the house. What's the ugliest thing you own? Well, we have moved so frequently lately that I've gotten rid of most of my ugly stuff which is a plus okay um but I would like to really replace our black splash in our kitchen that's not real attractive right now black splash in the (laughs) kitchen I'll take it that's on the to-do list (laughs) okay I had one wife tell me she had nothing to throw away and I was like (laughs) hold on nothing you could if I walked in your house and open your refrigerator there's nothing that has mold on it she's like all right you got me (laughs) I've done a lot of trips to Goodwill over the last few years with all these moves so I've gotten rid of most of if you could have dinner with someone other than a family member current or from history who would that be Mm, if it can't be a family member I'll 
probably, oh gosh, that's hard. There's so many people. I would say, just right off the top of my head, I would say Diane Sawyer, though. Mm-hmm. I remember saying she was like one of the first women like in television that I really like paid attention to and like thought was pretty amazing. And I would probably say her. I would, I, she would, that would be an interesting conversation, I think, just to hear her stories and yeah. see how she got started and okay. all the amazing things she's done. All right, Diane Sawyer, you're out there. Grover <laughs> wants to have lunch with you and Britt. Yeah. to invite you. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> Where should <Come> we go? <laughs> Somewhere quiet. We have a lot of stories. Yeah. Somewhere comfortable. Yeah, for sure. Okay. If you get a night alone, what show would you binge watch? Oh my goodness. It's so funny. So I usually will like DVR some shows for when Kurt gets home late that we can watch. And it's crazy. I mean, you're going to laugh, but we watch like hard knocks. We enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, So they just had the season finale Mm -hmm. this past week. So no more hard knocks for us. But I mean, it usually involves sports. I know that doesn't sound exciting, but that's what is something it's going to be something sports related but we always watch hard knocks together every season when it comes on I will DVR it and we'll watch it when he gets home on Tuesday nights you lock your keys in your car your husband's at practice who was the first person you would call so it depends on right now living here it would be my sister-in-law because she's right down the street (laughs) nice if your husband weren't a coach what would he be I mean I just think he would coach on some that would be either a high school or his son's little league team or college. He would, I just don't, or even now a private, how you have private quarterback coaches now or something. Mm-hmm. I just see him coaching and doing something with football always. What I can't imagine sport? him doing anything else. No. What sport can you beat Coach Roper in? Uh, I don't know if there's technically like a game I could beat him in. I've tried and I haven't succeeded, but I am definitely a better skier better water skier better snow skier and better ice skater than him for sure oh I like it (laughs) very very good if your family had a theme song what would that be how about for our family Kurt and I definitely have a theme song um there is a song it called it all started with a beer by Frankie Ballard that is kind of, every time it comes on, we're like, oh, this is our song. This is like our story. <laughs> and because that was kind of like how we met our first day, we went and we just, because he was a football, we both worked late night. So we literally met up at like 11 o'clock and had a beer at mm-hmm. a bar. And um, and that song just kind of encompasses our life, I feel like. So that's kind of our song. Fun, fun. Okay, last question. If you had a superpower, what would that be? Can I make up my own superpower and that would just be like to win every football game? There you go. I think that should be a superpower. Yes. At first I would think, the first thing that came to my mind is kind of to know like the future, but I don't know. I don't think I would want that to be my superpower. But if I could have a superpower that just like made us win each football game, that would be it for right now. Right. There'd be a lot of people that were trying to get on your staff. Thank you so much, Britt, so much for sharing with us. This has been amazing. Oh, I've really enjoyed it as well. Thank you for having me. It's been nice talking with you. Coach's Wife Life is brought to you by Ruler of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit with the mission of providing support and research for medically fragile children. You can partner with the organization to make a difference for a child battling a critical illness by making a tax-deductible donation. 
at rulerofhope.org. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Life podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.